Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you've had a great day. Looking forward to the weekend. Sometimes I get a chance to have one of my favorite segments, which is called Friday with Friends, and today is no exception. I have in studio with me Quinn Carroll. Very excited to talk to him. He is a uh, college football player at the University of Minnesota, one of the most sought-after players in the state of Minnesota, and I'm delighted to have him with me. As I was setting up this interview just now, he was doing neck exercises, which is uh, important for an offensive tackle. Quinn, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, it's when you walked into the lobby, there were some freshman students that were trying to put quarters in you, thinking you were the pop machine, which is, which was very uh, very funny to me. But uh, nice to have you here. You're 6'6", yeah. six, six, 310. That's right. That's an yeah. awfully big, big guy, yeah. just so you know. But uh, I know the Lord has given you incredible gifts. You have strength, you have brains, you have agility and athleticism. And um, so much so, we had to modify the studio door to get you through it. So glad to have you here. We're, I'm excited to talk to you about your faith, about uh, the gifts God's given you and how you're using them. Let's start yeah. with your faith. Tell me about growing up and when you came to faith in Jesus. Yeah, so growing up, I was raised in a Christian household, so it was always a part of my life. Um with my parents and with my siblings, um, you know, every Sunday going to church and stuff like that. So um, it wasn't until probably, um, you know, late middle school, early high school, where I really started to take it seriously individually um, and really diving into the word on my own and seeking uh, spiritual wisdom from other people uh, as opposed to just going to church with my family. and so it's always been a big part of my life, but I would say um, about freshman year of high school is when I really took it seriously on my own, and it's been, um, you know, the best decision of my life. Yeah, of course. And when you start to own your faith is when it really be, not only becomes alive, but you become uh, an incredible instrument for God's kingdom. And I've seen you uh, in incredible leadership positions uh, through your years in high school and now in college and uh, playing at the University of Minnesota, it's been a remarkable uh, journey to watch. And f- for, you know, I'm good friends with your parents and your dad, and it's it's really, really fun to watch how God is using you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, It's been a blessing, the platform that he's given me to be able to lead spiritually as yeah. well. So you get out of high school, or you, you, you're in high school your senior year, and you have an incredible amount of offers to play just about anywhere you want to play. How did God lead you? to University of Notre Dame. Yeah, a lot of people ask me um, why I picked Notre Dame or or um, how I even came to a decision um, with the opportunities I had. But really it was, you know, I was, I was thankful and, and blessed to be able to go on visits um, and, and, you know, see for myself at these universities. And get lots of swag. <laughs> That's right, and a bunch of photo shoots. Yeah. And, yeah. All the things guys love, but yeah. um, you know, there was I I prayed every day that God would make it clear, or you know, 
make it clear what he wanted me to do, where he wanted me to be or where he wanted me not to be. Mm-hmm. And so I, sometimes I would leave a visit and be like, absolutely not. Well, you know, I, I kind of, yeah, just felt it in my gut Yep, uh, that God was talking to me and telling me, you know, either something would happen on the visit that would set me off or, you know, not make me want to be there or after the fact, continuing to pray on that visit and, and realize, okay, this isn't where I should be. But every time I was on Notre Dame's campus around their players, around their coaches, you know, kind of under the aura of Notre Dame, I was just in love with it. And yeah. I knew that God had a plan for me there. And, um, I, I believe a huge part of his plan for me there was to influence the team spiritually. Um, like we were talking about before we started, just the, the Bible study aspect of what I was able to, um, you know, kind of instill, instill in that, in that culture there. Mm-hmm. I want to minimize the number of stupid things I say in this interview. <laughs> and I think I said the university of Notre Dame, that's not correct. Is it? It is correct. Oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> I just didn't want to get flack from your dad, but I said it incorrectly. I didn't know if it was just Notre Dame or university of Notre Dame, but you get there in your freshman year, you get out on the field and you have a horrible injury mm-hmm. and you haven't even played a game yet. That's right. So tell me, what you were thinking at that point, and Lord, you led me here, and now all of a sudden I'm all excited to play, and I'm not even playing. Yeah, it was a bummer for sure. Um, but the guys around me, and you know, my family, even though they were far away, and my faith kept me with my head on straight, and you know, able to see the bigger picture. Um, you know, a few practices into preseason camp, I get a season-ending injury which is nothing you want to hear, especially as a freshman, when that's such a crucial time to learn and to grow and to, you know, understand the playbook and to right. develop. Um, and so I was kind of a year behind, at you know, in the developing stages. I was able to understand the playbook, but physically, you know, I was, you know, didn't have the reps to, like, mess up and then learn from that right. mess up. I was kind of just on the sideline. Right. Um, recovering but I knew that God had a plan for me and I you know just trusted in that you know honestly I had a lot of people come up to me and be like how are you so positive (laughs) how are you so like you just had surgery a couple days ago this is such a bummer um but that was kind of the the energy that I brought to the team was to be as positive as possible and you know understand that even though I'm in a tough situation right now don't let my circumstance dictate my behavior and know that God has a bigger plan for me. Yeah, that's spectacular. Quinn Carroll is my guest. He's a uh, starting tackle at offensive tackle at the University of Minnesota. And they got a, a, a big game coming up uh, tomorrow at University of North Carolina. Do I have that right? That's right. You guys are 2-0 and already? Correct. Yeah. So um, when you're having these conversations with God and you've just been injured and you're a freshman and you want nothing more than to to learn the system, to be on the field, to be with your teammates, and you, and you got a boot on, right? And you're off in the sidelines. Are you having moments with God where you're saying, God, what's your purpose in this? Or are you saying, God, why me? At first, it was why me, Okay, uh, for sure. And that was kind of my initial reaction, but I wouldn't say it lasted long. Okay, good. You know, it was on, more so like on the field that day when I— you know, got the results of the MRI, I was like, why me? You yeah. know, what, what, you know, 
what the heck? Completely I, I natural, right? Yeah, I can't understand what's going on here. Yeah. Um, you know, this is my first year. I was so excited, and now I'm now I'm out for the count. So, um, but that didn't last long, and I you know attribute that to the people around me and my family back home, just keeping me positive and you know knowing where I should turn my attention. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, God made it clear that. I wasn't there to start as a true freshman or to or to even play as a true freshman. He he knew that that would happen to me and he knew that um he would guide my steps after that. Mhm. Uh Quinn athletes today uh between all the social media and like the 10 million plus audiences like afternoons with Bill Arnold, you know, mm-hmm. uh provide a rare opportunity uh, to be bold in your faith and, in, and and incredibly inspirational to believers and non-believers alike. Mm-hmm. So this the stakes are high. People have eyes on you all the time. Mm-hmm. And you are boldly living out and walking out your faith, which I love about you. Um, and I'm always going to be proud of your confidence and your athletic ability. But most most of what I'm proud of is your your boldness, because Jesus says that the 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 harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And and you show up and you say to your teammates, who wants to get in a Bible study? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love yeah. that. So tell me what that's like when you're trying to lead a, well, you're not trying, you are leading a Bible study with teammates. Tell me what that's like. It's a lot of fun. You know, the, the guys who are showing up, um, they, they love it. And, and they're, they're like longing for more time in the word with each other. You know, we, Kind of get, kind of gets boring the amount of time we spend watching film or practicing or in the <laughs> weight room. You know, it's yeah. just it's something new that uh, and unique that not a lot of programs have that. And um, everyone's so excited to continue to grow together spiritually. And people will walk by the room that we're meeting in and be like, poke their head in and be like. Oh, what's going on in here? And then we'll invite them in, and then they continue to stay. They show up next week, and it's awesome. But um, yeah, I think there there are some guys who are very uh, interested and and very invested in their faith, and then there are some guys who just like to be a part of it, and they're continuing to grow as well. Um, so we've got a wide variety of uh, teammates in there, but there's a lot of people, and and um, if anything, they're just hearing the word. Yeah, and, uh, and the word never returns void. And the fact that they're going to always remember this time that they spent with their teammates studying God's word, it may not be real to them in the next five years, or maybe it won't be real to them for 20 years. Right. But they're never going to forget that time you know, mm-hmm. when they gathered with brothers who were wanting to not only study God's word, but spend time in prayer mm-hmm. and focus their attention um, on things that are spiritual. Right. So you're, you're you know you're providing a, an amazing uh, opportunity. So when the guys get together, uh, do they do you guys share prayer requests with each other? Do you pray for protection over your your minds and bodies? I mean, because you guys can get hurt pretty easily every game and every practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, each each um, Bible study session we open in prayer, um, and that's normally just to you know that God would be with us as we go through His Word and. And uh, let them speak through us and to us. Um, but also, 
at the end, we'll pray and I'll ask for prayer requests or ask if somebody wants to take the courage to pray, because I think that's a big part of it. Um, growing spiritually and, and fellowship with each other is to um, pray publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's made me a much better uh, prayer, if you will, in, you know, even to myself, being able to pray publicly, to pray, um, that helps me to pray better by myself. But, um, yeah, we ask for prayer requests from, you know, whatever's going on yeah. in people's lives, but also kind of try and cover as much as we can with, you know, keeping us safe, keeping us healthy and, you know, keep giving us the confidence yeah. to go out there every day and be our best. Amen to that. I'm having a great day because Quinn Carroll is here with me in studio. It is Friday with friends. We're going to take a little break and be right back with Quinn and lots more. Welcome back to Friday with Friends. I'm always loving Friday with Friends when it happens. Quinn Carroll is my friend in studio with me today. And Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, or one man another. And I'm so pleased that Quinn is not only an outstanding football player at the University of Minnesota, but he's also a a team leader when it comes to the spiritual life of his teammates. And he leads a Bible study there. And during the break, we were chatting about the number of people, of guys that show up. And I'm surprised at how many guys show up who have a spiritual interest, who want to find out what's going on in this Bible study that Quinn leads. And I think it's uh, uh, very encouraging that, that there are so many guys that are, that are interested. Uh, God bless your efforts, uh, Quinn. But, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one man another. Men need other men, don't, don't they? That's right. Yeah, especially in a team setting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it it's been a great opportunity since being here in Minnesota. Um, a lot of guys on the team being that iron for me to you know sharpen myself on and for yeah. them to use me as well. Um, you know, especially spiritually. So yeah. it's 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 been great since being in Minnesota. Yeah. So I've been watching the games that you're in and always kind of bursting with pride because I'm just, I, I love watching you play. And one thing I've noticed this year is this spectacular piece of ink on your arm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, tell me about that and w- tell me the history and what inspired you and the design and yeah. and the statement that it makes. Yeah. So I've always loved tattoos. Um, kind of never really, you know, I'd go back and forth of like, what do I want to get? I knew I wanted it to be faith related. Uh-huh. Um, and I was trying to think of some elaborate thing to get, uh, <laughs> you know, whether it's my favorite verse and some image pertaining to that or, um, you know, the actual script of the verse. But then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to be straightforward and get across. And so my older brother, Kevin, he has tattoos, and when he was getting some of his first, he asked my grandfather to draw some, draw some crosses, because he's a great artist, uh, kind of on the side thing that not a lot of people knew about him. But um, So Kevin got one of those crosses, and then when my grandfather passed away, we were going through some of his drawings, and here are the crosses that he drew for Kevin. Wow. And one of them was a Celtic cross. 
And so I took that one, gave it to a tattoo artist, said, make it, you know, it was a sketch. Yeah. I was like, make it as professional as you can, but I want this exact cross. Yeah. Um, and I got that put on me in May. Mm. Um, so it's a little nod to my grandfather, but also a, a great statement for me and my faith, and you can see it on the field. So You can awesome. see it if you're in the top row of the stadium. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, pretty loud and clear. Yeah, and I, I love I, that part of it. Yeah, and I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to, uh, ask questions about that. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know Quinn was a man of faith, or they're going to be curious. Mm-hmm. And I think it opens up a lot of opportunities for discussion. And as you know, um, that's a it's a great it's a great door to walk through. To yeah, any chance you can to share your faith. Yeah, it keeps me accountable, but also you know sends a message um, on the field, and you know even just with my teammates in the in the locker room or or anytime I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt you can see the see the cross um for people to understand who I am where I come from and and what I value. Yeah. So when you think of this season uh you are so far 2 and 0 oh, and your prospects look really good for mm-hmm. a great season and a great year and um when you uh, prepare for a game. Um, tell me, kind of what what goes through your 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 heart, your mind, and your body. Yeah, so um, I'll start with my body. Uh, just like recovering from the previous game, right? Um, yeah, that's got to so. hurt sometimes because I mean, your job is to like hurt others, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to get, get them out the of the way, right? Get them out of the way, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's. Some bumps and bruises along the line for sure, um, and if if they're a little bit more major, you're still playing, so uh, you got to take care of them. Uh, your body is, you know, your temple, and that that's your machine, what fuels you to keep going from game to game. So you really got to take care of it with hydration and and yeah. recovery and sleep. Yeah, um, that's a big biggie, time. Isn't it? Um, and then through my heart and mind. Throughout the week, it's just, you know, preparing for everybody like they're the best and and understanding that, um, you know, these guys are good. They're Division One football players as well. They're on scholarship too. And so um, understanding they're good but also having confidence in yourself and your teammates that you can go out there and you can defeat them um, if you play at your best. And that... That comes down to your practice habits. That comes down to how you take care of your body uh, during the week, how you prepare with film and with study uh, with your coaches and other teammates. Um, you know, I I study so much. I prepare, you know, like I know my defender, like the back of my hand. Really? Exactly. What they're going to do. You know what I, toppings he puts on his pizza, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, so I'm kind of crazy about it but uh i've been given a lot of extra time with uh not a lot of school going on right now for me anyways but um yeah so i i use a lot of my time outside of the required time with the team to study my study the defenders i'm going against and make sure that i'm on top of it and Mm -hmm. and nothing's gonna slip past me um and then so when I'm 
at the game, I'm confident. I'm prepared. I'm ready. I, I'm not worried about, you know, oh, what's he going to throw at me or yeah. what's he going to do on this sort of play. Yeah, It's all covered. I've, I've already thought about it. I've already uh, studied it. So yeah. that's a big part of the week for me is, you know, mentally preparing uh, just as much as I'm physically preparing. Yeah. As much as you prayerfully go into every game, how important of a drug is adrenaline? Oh, it's very important. You know, <laughs> you feel you yeah. feel like, oh, my legs are a little sore from Wednesday practice on Saturday still, and then adrenaline kicks Boom, in and right? you don't feel your legs anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even some, uh, some bumps and bruises, you may not even uh, realize stuff hurts until the following day. That's right. Because um, I remember, like, last year you played, like, most of the season with a really wonky hand. Yeah. I mean, after the season, you had hand surgery. That's right. And I remember they, they gave you the kind of anesthesia that, that would tranquilize a Belgian horse, and it didn't work on you, right? <laughs> well, they put a nerve block in my shoulder, which is, you know, supposed to shoot down the arm and numb <laughs> the hand that they operated on, but it didn't make it past the elbow. So Yeah, it didn't really work, did it? No. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when I woke up, I was, I was feeling a lot, and... Um, they helped me out afterwards, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was one of those things. The hand wasn't feeling great um, throughout the season, and then game time would hit, and adrenaline would kick in, and yeah. I—that's the last thing on my mind. Yeah. So, Quinn Carroll, who inspires you? With, of course, the exception of your dad, who inspires everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, do you have other other people that have gone before you that you sort of thought I'm I'm really inspired by? how they did their their game and their faith. And is there anybody that you look at as a role model? Yeah, I would say um, my quarterback last year, Tanner Morgan. He was a terrific uh, influence on my faith life. And, you know, he's a heck of a football player. But, um, you know, I, I'll always remember Tanner for how he, he was um, a leader in my life as a, a, a spiritual leader. Mm -hmm. So, um and being in the locker room with him every day and and um diving into the word with him was such a such a blessing for me last year uh as my first year as a gopher and um you know I'll I'll always be grateful for him and and how he has led me yeah so when you think of the position you're in now as a team leader and a chance to be that that Tanner Morgan sort of person in the lives of others um, you, you've got a, a great gift and a great responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've really taken that on, um, and, and I love that role, especially with the younger guys on the team um, and, you know, guys that I've been connected with um, socially, just like as friends, yeah. um, and then also spiritually uh, to kind of make this an important part of yeah. their life as well. Um, because that's the people I want to surround myself with. Um, but it's it's uh, it's something I wear with pride as being a, a spiritual leader on the Gophers. Yeah. Quinn Carroll, it is always nice to see you, and thank you for coming in and sharing your faith and your faith story. It's been a delight. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Friday with friends. We're going to take a little break, and coming up next, Dr. Greg Heddington will continue our series on Daniel. That's all next. Don't go anywhere.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. All right, if you're a Bible student and a note taker, you have come to the right show because I've got Dr. Greg Heddington with me. We're going to continue our study in the book of Daniel. He's been taking us on a journey through that amazing book. We're all the way up to chapter 7 and 8 is what our our goal is today, which is ambitious. Greg, welcome. Great to be back, Bill, and welcome to the eighth lesson in our study of Daniel as we look at chapters 7 and 8. In case you're wondering, we did not do a lesson on chapter 6, but I like to call this lesson the apocalypse and the victory. The entirety of chapters 7 and 8 this week are about Daniel's sixth century B.C. visions and his interpretation of them, so be sure to read those two chapters on your own a little bit later. I also need to tell you that most of this lesson will be on explaining what apocalyptic literature is, Oh, good. the the history of those ancient times, and God's big plan in the end. So we move into the second half of Daniel, which contains apocalyptic literature. Whenever we... (laughs) Whenever we see a movie with the word apocalypse, we're just sure there's going to be a lot of gruesome violence and no doubt an appearance of Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) we got to have some hero who attempts to save the world from doom, don't we? Yes, we do. So the word apocalypse is, in fact, a Greek word which means to reveal, to uncover, or simply revelation as the apocalypse of John at the end of the first uh, New Testament. So if you're taking notes, Roman number one, introduction. Because this lesson introduces us to the next six chapters of apocalyptic literature, I want to give an overview of what that literature is all about rather than specifics only for chapters 7 and 8, because when it comes to apocalyptic literature, people usually do one of three things. One, they ignore it, thinking they will not understand it. Or two, they obsessively study it to try and understand all those specifics. Or three, they read it, freak out, and decide it's just too weird for them. So for this lesson, I want to look at the genre, the nature, the intention of apocalyptic literature, because in our day, we've lost the key with which to unlock many of these symbols, symbols which the people of the first century seem to have understood much better than we. And if this were not such an important book for the church, and remember, you are the church, then it would not be included in the canon of Scripture. Ever since the resurrection of Jesus, people have been fascinated with the end times, and there are certain periods of time in which people seem to be obsessed with dates, even though Jesus says very clearly in Matthew 24, verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of Man, but the Father only. Well, even so, There have been times in history in which people have given away all their possessions and have waited for Jesus to return. Now, years ago, one of my good friends was torn between going into dentistry or professional ministry because he thought the end was so near. I'm glad he chose dentistry because he's a good dentist and still a strong follower of Jesus. Although only about 18% of Americans regularly attend worship service, About 60% of Americans admit that they believe Jesus will return to earth one day, and that includes those who never attend service. So let me make chapters 7 and 8 of Daniel 
crystal clear for us today. Daniel speaks symbolically of the four great empires that follow when he was living in the Babylonian dynasty in the 6th century B.C. We will speak about other issues today, but eventually we're going to look at the four great Western empires that succeed the Babylonian Empire, and they will be, first, the Persian Empire, second, the Greek Empire, third, the Roman Empire, and fourth, the Kingdom of God. Those are the four empires that Daniel sees in his visions through symbols in chapters 7 and 8. Now, if you feel a little confused or even a, a bit disturbed by this futuristic literature, then you are in good company. After all, Daniel had his own response to these visions as he wrote them. And in chapter 7, verse 15, he says this, As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. Well, furthermore, he was sick for several days. Now, I don't wish that on anyone, but you're not alone with any uneasiness you might feel. Here is the overall theme for the rest of Daniel, as well as the book of Revelation. The basic message of apocalyptic books is this. God is in control of everything. Now, these visions and symbols and dreams teach us, as God's people, that although it looks as if the world is helplessly under the power of human and demonic evil running rampant, things are not what they appear to be. Looks are deceiving. After all, we've talked about this before, but what is the overall theme of Daniel? God is in control of everything. And Scripture is clear about who is going to win this earthly struggle. Now, we're simply called to be faithful to our loving master of the universe. And in order to prevent foolish, speculative interpretation of this material, which is quite common, we need to remember that the images and symbols were more understandable 2,500 years ago to the original audience for two reasons. First, much of the imagery comes from previous biblical revelation. And secondly, it comes from common motives found, motifs found in ancient Mideastern literature. So these chapters that are mysteries to us were not so mysterious to the original audience. Bill, just want to tell our people we're studying the book of Daniel. Yeah, it's very helpful, Greg, because uh, it's such an amazing book. And uh, we're in chapters 7 and 8, so if you have your Bible, get it open. And always have a, no a notepad and a, and a pencil, because that's how you do your best study. Uh, so, Greg, let's continue, please. You got that right, Bill. And Roman numeral 2, apocalyptic literature. Now, we're easing into this subject, and I'll give a brief overview of the literature in chapters 7 and 8. I'm not going to decipher what all the symbols and numbers mean because there are many serious biblical scholars who love the Lord and yet disagree on the interpretation of precisely what these things mean, except when they are unanimous about the historical events that have already happened. That's really no argument over that. Well, as I mentioned, the word apocalypse means to uncover or to reveal. So here's a question some of us want to ask. If the Lord had simply wanted Daniel to know the facts of future history, why did he overwhelm Daniel with such mysterious and complex and bizarre revelations? Well, good question, but to ask the question is to answer it. In other words, and this is my thesis statement for all the apocalyptic literature in Daniel, here it is. 
God did not want to just reveal prophetic facts about future history to Daniel. God also wanted to reveal himself to Daniel as he impressed on him in an unforgettable way something of his own glorious purpose for the world and for eternity. Now, that is a mouthful. That is a long sentence. So let me just say it another way. God wanted Daniel to know him and to know his purpose for the world. Furthermore, just as Daniel saw how the people of God would suffer in future years and was troubled by it, so are we to be concerned and pray for people in the majority world who know the full force of evil. Now, although this revelation was given to Daniel, it is also given for us. Now, think of this book like a, like a cosmic opera, a colossal light and sound show, as we, along with Daniel, see and hear strange beasts that pop up throughout these chapters and throughout the book of Revelation, and we're meant to be overwhelmed, just as Daniel was by the appearance of the Ancient of Days, which is one of the old terms that's been used for God in many years past, and the coming of the Son of Man. Daniel did not understand many of the things he saw, but he was faithful to write them down. Now remember that apocalyptic literature is intended to give an overpowering impression of the mysteries of God's purposes through symbols which show us the dreadful conflict between the kingdom of earth, which is largely ruled by Satan, and the kingdom of God. Now, by the way, Daniel did interpret these things, too. First, he received the messages, wrote them down, and then God gave them uh, interpretations for them. So we end Roman numeral 2 by saying that we are given a brief but extraordinary glimpse into, get this, the very throne room of the universe and the sovereignty of our Creator as we read these two chapters. What an unusual and odd privilege. Roman numeral 3 Animal Farm. It's literary time. There are a lot of animals mentioned in these chapters, so let me give you a little animal quiz. I'll name an animal, and you name the nation it represents. If you can, just take a shot, all right? The bear. Some people say it's Russia, okay? Well, I was the bald eagle. I think we know that one. Of course we do. America, U.S. of A. America, there yes. we go. Three lions. That would be England. The rooster, France. Okay, that's just a few. But when you were in school, did you ever read the allegorical novel by George Orwell called Animal Farm? The book describes a farm in which the animals take over in order to create a perfect society in which all animals will have an equal voice. Sadly, their true nature wins out, the pigs are the worst, and the whole project ends in chaos. Now, the book is written as a condemnation of totalitarian government, and particularly the communism of the mid-20th century. And if you read it, you might recall the chilling rule that the animals follow, which is this. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others, which, of course, is the problem with communism and why it doesn't work, because our sinful natures make it impossible to treat everyone as equal. Chapters 7 and 8 of Daniel describe the destructive animal farm of at least the last 26 centuries and counting as various beasts represent the rise and fall of kings and kingdoms. More importantly, we'll learn how these kingdoms prepare the world for Messiah. Roman numeral 4, 
beasts, empires, and God's plan for introducing Messiah to the nations. Roman numeral 4, and this is the first empire to succeed the Babylonian Empire, Roman numeral 4a, Persia. If you go back and read chapter 6, you'll see how Cyrus, the king of Persia, allowed the Jews to return to their homeland after 70 years of being under the rule of Babylon. Some Jews returned and some didn't. Cyrus is represented in Daniel by what animal? A bear. Chapter 7, verse 15. The bulky size of a bear reminds us that the Persian army contained, get this, 202.5 million soldiers. Hmm. Now imagine going up against that army. Because of it, Cyrus played his part in God's plan as he was able to conquer the Babylonians in 539 B.C. with a peaceful end to the conflict, because when the Babylonians saw the size of that army, they decided violence would be unwise and peace was the better part of valor. Then after ruling for almost two centuries, another army, represented by what animal? In this case, it was the swift leopard, led by 20-year-old Alexander the Great of Greece who fought that enormous Persian army in 336 B.C. Bill, I think we're going to end with that for a little break. Yeah, let's take a little break. Dr. Greg Heddington is my guest, and we're continuing our study in the book of Daniel. We're in chapters 7 and 8. If you just joined us, we'll take a short break and be right back. We're back with Dr. Greg Heddington as we continue this fantastic study in the book of Daniel. I think we're in about part eight right now, but we are in chapters seven and eight, so it's good timing. Greg, let's let's resume our study. Bill, you're right. Book of Daniel, chapters seven and eight. And those two chapters are apocalyptic literature, similar to the style of the book of Revelation. The word apocalypse means to reveal or to uncover, and apocalyptic literature is also about the end times. What makes it so distinctive in the books of Daniel and Revelation is the fact that it's filled with symbols that must be interpreted, and they are interpreted, by many scholars. We discover that Daniel was giving prophecies about the four empires that would succeed the Babylonian Empire in which he lived in the 6th century B.C. The first empire we looked at was the Babylon, after the Babylonian Empire was the Persian Empire with an enormous army of 2.5 million soldiers. It had a good run. I mean, it was 200 years they had the empire, yet it was eventually defeated by what we're going to move into right now. So if you're taking notes, Roman numeral 4B, Greece. Alexander, who was tutored by none other than Aristotle, began his campaign for the Greek empire to rule the world by capturing Persian naval bases and then defeated army after army not because of the size of his own army, which doubled, excuse me, which numbered, and you won't believe this, it numbered only 35,000 soldiers against the two and a half million soldiers from Persia. Now, the strength of Alexander's army was in its remarkable speed, as if it were, again, here's another animal, a leopard with four wings, which just happened to be the symbol back at that time. Alexander eventually pushed all the way east to India, where the heat and disease that that country finally brought on had to do in Alexander. Persian armies couldn't do him in, but Alexander died of fever in 323 B.C. at the age of 33, as his empire was then divided among four generals. 
But let's look at the significant lasting empire of Alexander's conquest. And here's what is germane to us. He accomplished God's providential purposes in the world and helped prepare the world for the coming of the Christ. How did he do that? Well, here's some of the lasting effects of this empire. Number one, Alexander ended the oriental influence that threatened to take over the Western world, which means he compelled the Western world to think in fresh and new ways. By extending the Greek culture and language, what is known now as Hellenization, that's a term which came from the story of Helen of Troy of Greek, of Greece and the mythology of Greece, Alexander helped unify people in the Western world. How so? Well, because everyone spoke Greek, which is the language used in the New Testament. Now, instead of the classical Greek language, does anybody know what kind of Greek was used in the New Testament? Koine Greek. Called, that's it. It's Koine Greek, which simply means common Greek, spoken by people in the street. By the way, it's much closer to the Greek that's spoken today in, Greek, uh, in Greece as well. So when we refer to the original language of the New Testament, we are referring to Koine Greek. That makes sense because we know that Jesus did not go to the wealthy or the government officials or to the royals who probably would be speaking classical Greek when Jesus made his historic visit to earth. Instead, he went to the common people, mm -hmm. to the outcast, to the underserved. And there is a lesson there for us as well, modeled by Jesus himself. Alexander was instit had instituted a policy also of kindness toward the people he conquered, which introduced a powerful example of brotherhood into the world. For example, he literally wedded east to west when 9,000 of his soldiers married eastern women in one mass wedding. We can't. Can you imagine the air being filled with flying bouquets or whatever the brides threw at that time? Bill, just to let your readers know, we're in Daniel. Yeah, I love this book, and I love this study, Greg. Dr. Greg Headington is our guest, and he has been kind enough to take us not only through several other books of the Bible, but the study of Daniel, which was just uh, one of my favorites. So, Greg, let's continue, please. Well, we're just having a great time. Roman numeral 4C, Rome. Now we're into the third empire that succeeded the Babylonian Empire. What Alexander the Great began, the Romans completed, helping to prepare the world for the coming of Messiah. Described as terrifying and dreadful in Daniel, if you want to look it up, Daniel 7, verse 7, he's described it as a beast on the rampage. The Roman army swept across the ancient world, defeating one nation after another. So, what was the effect? of the Roman rule. Number one, Roman legions enforced their laws which kept nations under their control with an iron fist. Romans ran their empire for 503 years before the barbarians, this barbarian named Odoacer, who was a, uh, one of the men from the north, eventually conquered them in 476 AD, if you're taking notes. Roman numeral two, excuse me, not Roman number two, but point two of this one, the famous Roman roads and bridges enabled people to travel and share new ideas all over the earth. Speaking of new ideas, let's not forget one of the Roman creations, which we enjoy on the 4th of July. We call it 
the Roman candle. <laughs> I have no idea why, but mm-hmm. we call it that. Also, this famous Pax Romana, which means the Roman peace, gave people the opportunity, if and only if they were Roman citizens, more security than they'd ever known before. However, when we watch Hollywood movies which portray Roman life in the first four centuries A.D., those movies always focus on the majesty and the grandeur of Roman society. Yet if one were a slave, life was grim. Slaves were not considered to be human, but rather tools to be used. One out of every three persons in the population of Italy was a slave, and they were the ones who built those majestic structures. The terrifying vision Daniel has of this fourth beast, which is the Roman Empire, represents that inhumane treatment of slaves by Rome. And we know what God thinks about mistreatment of the disadvantaged, because we know how Jesus responded to the people who ruled over them. Well, let me also say this about the centuries before Jesus made his historic visit to earth. These were spiritually dark years, and people lived in constant fear of evil spirits and magic. Life was hard, cruel, and brief. The Greeks and Romans lived with a sense of dread that they would offend any number of the pantheon of mythological gods that they worshipped. Of course, the biggest and most important was Zeus. You don't want to offend Zeus, or something might happen to you. There was also a general disrespect for human life, which could best be seen in their views of children and the way they treated abortion. Regarding children, a parent had the right as a Roman citizen to treat a child as violently as they wished, Mm. and no one would even complain. As for abortion, the views of Aristotle and Plato were commonly followed, and people believed that in order to maintain a consistent uh, population control, if an unwanted child was born, it was often taken out somewhere and simply left to die. Now, years later, it was the Christ followers who cared for those children because we all believe humans are of value to God and therefore of value to us, and had a tremendous testimony to the Romans as they looked on. However, the master of the universe, in his sovereign plan for human history, used both the Greek and Roman empires to contribute to the spread of the good news of Jesus especially throughout this vast and largely immoral Roman Empire from 27 B.C. to September 7, 476 A.D., when the Western Roman Empire officially ended. But believe me, it had ended years before because of the corruption and the immorality from within. Isn't it remarkable how our sovereign, loving God weaved his ultimate plan for people throughout the history of empires for his own purpose. Mm-hmm. Roman numeral 4D, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is twofold. It's the already, which began when Jesus made his historic visit to earth and ushered in the kingdom of the initial kingdom of God. And it's also the not yet when Jesus will return to earth and bring with him the full power of the kingdom of God in his role as the ancient of days. And on that day, it might be appropriate for us to sing and worship the Lord. And I, I've always thought about a hymn from 1833 by Robert Grant. And the first verse is this. O worship the King, all glorious above. O gratefully sing His power and His love. Our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. 
Well, Roman numeral five, here's the wrap up. What's the take home from these chapters? We as the people of God must never be naive about the reality, the strength, and the durability of evil and the coming Antichrist, which we didn't look at today. But Daniel's sense, Daniel's sense of horror for his people whom he loved is an example for us to follow. Until Jesus returns, we must understand that the kingdom of God is also a kingdom of suffering. The forces of hell will not prevail against it, but those evil forces will do all they can in their limited power to overwhelm followers of Christ. Suffering of one kind or another is just to be expected. So, Paul is talking here now about the cross when we read Paul. How, he, how Christ defeated the demonic powers which continue to accuse us. And the Apostle Paul says in his, in, in his scripture, which I'll look at in just a minute, by triumphing over them through Christ, it ended everything. And Paul's use of military language is intentional. From the beginning of scripture, when Moses says in Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a man of, of war, the Lord is his name. So everyone else who reads these chapters, but what do we know is that God's ultimate victory is certain, and we are to remain faithful. What makes us think that Jesus will conquer rather than be conquered by Satan? The Apostle Paul says that in Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15, You were dead in your trespasses, but God made you alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our trespasses, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authority. And Paul's talking here about the cross by triumphing over them through Christ. And Bill, I think that's good for today. That's fantastic, Greg. Thank you once again for this outstanding teaching on Daniel. I look forward to our next time together. Thanks, buddy. All right, Dr. Greg Heddington has been my guest. We'll take a short break and be right back with our two. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.